Nah, I did. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
refuge, I cried to the Lord, and he answered by setting me free. The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me. He is my helper. I will look in triumph on my enemies. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All the nations surround me, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They surrounded me on every side, but in the name of the Lord I cut them off. They swarmed around me like bees, but they died out as quickly as burning thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed back and about to fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. I will not die but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks, for you answered me. You have become my salvation. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, the pastor of the National Prayer Chapel, Pilgrim's Progress is Jesus-sponsored radio. I come day by day with an unvarnished message of the gospel. And every month, I know that the bill must be paid. And I have learned through the years that when God's people are presented with a need, Always the work of God has been sponsored by the free will offerings of God's people. Not selling things, just inviting God's people to step forward and sacrifice for the work of the kingdom. I'm sacrificing my time, my energy, my money. All is in the hands of Jesus. And now we're coming to the end of this month. And we started this week $1,200 short of our goal for this month. In the last several days, people have sent checks and contributed. We are now short $860 for covering this radio bill for this month. And so today is an offertory day because I can't continue radio on WAVA if I don't pay them. And so all I know to do is, as the Lord has directed me, come and ask, would you help me? 
would you help the Lord in keeping this broadcast on the air? What I need you to do, if the Holy Spirit prompts you, if the messages spoken day after day have drawn your heart closer to Jesus, pricked you with the arrows of the Holy Spirit, then I need you to step forward. Many of you have already given, and I'm so grateful. I am so grateful that you have been willing to sacrifice for Jesus. Our phone number, and Brother Kevin is right now at the phone waiting for your calls, 877-534-0780. I'm hoping and praying that in one day we can reach this goal of $860 that we could pay the radio bill this month. We can do that if you'll respond and give generously to Jesus. This is his broadcast. It's not mine. If you would call and simply tell him, I will commit to giving this amount. That's the offering plate that's being passed right now. Just like an offering plate at your church where we invite you to participate in the worship by giving. So the phone number is 877-534-0780. Would you call right now? I'd like to wrap this up very quickly. I'd like to be able to teach tomorrow, but I cannot teach any longer on radio until this $860 has been committed. So would you sacrificially give? And would you do that now? Call 877-534-0780. We don't need your name. We don't need your phone number. You won't go on air live. Just tell our producer, Brother Kevin, a wonderful Christian brother, this is the amount I would like to make a commitment to give, and he'll give you the address where you can send it. God bless you as you do this. And we're going to just listen to some music while you call.
Dark waters lay before them, dark forces came behind. To the left and right, the desert brought panic to their minds. The evil of that hour was stronger than the sun that beat on them with nowhere left to run. The chariots of Egypt drew nearer as they cried, yet Moses stood there calmly with a fearless faith inside. He said there is a power far greater than the sword. Stand still and you will witness a mighty salvation from our Lord. And then the rest departed. For now there was a way to enter in rejoicing to victory that day. Yet then the rest departed. At last they could go free. With Pharaoh's army buried in the sea. told its finest lies, making all the darker pleasures so pleasant to my eyes. I knew a lack of praise had led me to that hour, standing there surrounded by sin's power. Yet the terror of those moments began to fade away, as my heart recalled God's mercies are all new every day and my spirit took its armor as my lips took up the sword light broke through the darkness a mighty salvation from our
welcome back. This is Pastor Ray Greenlee again. I just, I'm working out of my home studio and suddenly as I'm talking with someone who's called to make a, a pledge, I hear the Red Sea is parted. And that's the song that says victory. So, Brother Kevin, would you come on the air with me right now? Can you turn your mic on for me? Brother Kevin? A little louder. Okay. There you are. Tell me what happened. The Red Sea parted, Pastor. Well, were there were there several calls, or was it one call? What what did Jesus do? You had three calls, um, and the last call, the lady said she would cover the remaining bow. What an incredible gift from Jesus! That's awesome. <laughs> I I was up very early this morning, Kevin, and I was on my face before God, and I was just saying, Lord. We made an agreement when you asked me to go on the radio, and that was that you would cover it. That was four years ago for this time, and every month the Lord has covered it. So, (laughs) thank you. So you shot me a text saying, are you ready to teach? (laughs) Yes, we're ready to hear. We're ready to learn. All right, I want you to do one thing for me. Yes, sir. Uh, Let's play one more song. Okay. And the song that I want you to play is White Conlon Carter. Pardon? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say Whiter Than Snow. No, uh, Conlon Carter. He does a song about nothing but Jesus. Do you know which one that is? Nothing But The Blood Medley or All of Jesus, None of Me? All of Jesus, None of Me. Okay. All right. And then we'll teach. a truth I longed to see. God said one day I'd be free. All trying led to failure. That's when I heard him whisper. All of Jesus, none of All of Jesus, all of Jesus, all of Jesus, none of me. Liberation and 
and endless celebration when I found him in wondrous jubilee. Should you ask, I'll gladly tell you of the key to our salvation, all of Jesus, none of me. All of Jesus, all of Jesus, all of Jesus, none of me. Of Jesus, none of me. Oh, of Jesus, none of me. This is Pastor Ray Greenley. Thank you for being with me today. If I'm going to share a part of a story today. We don't have a lot of time left. But I would be happy to hear from you what Jesus is doing in your heart. Last night, I asked a question in the Bible study. We dealt with the prodigal son. And I said, when did you come to your senses and begin to follow Jesus? And people began to give these wonderful testimonies of how they came to their senses. And one person said, I've not fully come to my senses yet. I'm leaving the pig pen, but I'm still the stench. And one person who was there said, I, I, I don't believe in Jesus well, I'm wondering today, if you'd like to, we can take just a few minutes. I would love to hear from some of you that could share with us how you came to your senses in that pig pen. Would any of you like to share that? If you would, call quickly, 877-534-0780. And I have a story of a man who was a powerful preacher of God in the 1800s, who just fell under such conviction. His favorite text was, Thou must be holy because I am holy. And no man shall see God without holiness. But I'm wondering, would you like to call and just share something of what has happened in your life? When did you when did you come to your senses? How did God do that for you? Call 
this man that I want to share with you was a, a lad of privilege. He was uh, Robert Atkin. He was a, a mighty man of God, but he did not start out that way. Well, let me just share some of this with you. Uh, this man wrote, I have long been and doubtless, though I know it not, desired to be a very big man. And the moment that God's grace wrought in me the determination to become a very little child, the least of all little children, the holy child Jesus might lead me, I soon found that the cause of my cessation from the church he had withdrawn from the Anglican church over some anger about the way people were being treated. This was in the Scottish background. Um, he wrote, After a trial of nearly eight years, I dare not voluntarily occupy, occupy my present position anymore. I shall do my utmost to return to the church. He had left the church, and he made a decision he had to go back. Uh, when he was just starting out, He was just preparing a sermon on the atonement. And Robert Atkin heard a voice. It wasn't it wasn't audible, but it was distinct to his spirit, and the and the outward voice inside of him said, You are making a gospel for God instead of believing God's gospel. Perplexed, the young man fell upon his knees, and he asked for further light. Again, the voice spoke, and this time it was audible. He looked around to see who was speaking to him, and the voice said, All thy righteousness is as filthy rags. He took this as a warning from God, and for the next 16 days he didn't eat anything. He was awake much of the time, his wife feared for his sanity. He cried out to the Lord. The problem was there was an issue of pride in his heart. He wanted to be somebody. And he finally grew so angry that he withdrew from the pastorate. He withdrew from the church. He saw the church as utterly corrupt. But it was not the church that was the issue. It was his heart. It was his bitterness. And finally, with a heart broken, he said, I can no longer hold the position that I am better than. And so he came back to the church. And as a disciplinary measure as was common in that day, 
they imposed a three-year silence upon him. Three ministers were to observe his behavior during that time, and upon their testimonials, he could be reinstated into ministry. In other words, for three years, he would be a pastor, paid, but he would not be allowed to preach or minister. He was finally brought back into the church. He was given a congregation on the evangelist. And from that period, I want to read a letter he wrote to a minister friend. You may be disposed, wrote Robert Atkin, from what I have written that my own state of soul is easier than when I last wrote to you, but this is not the case. The truth is that the most distressing feature in the whole history is that light is continually breaking in upon me, but instead of giving me peace, it increases my uneasiness. Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. Now, please understand what I'm going to read to you. This man is utterly given over to God. He loves the Lord Jesus Christ, but there is an increasing uneasiness in his soul. It is necessary for you and for me to be crying out to God to give us this dis-ease in our soul because we have been so casual in America about following Jesus that we have not gotten the deeper light of the Spirit that gives us the power to break the wickedness of our culture. This is a, an issue of great sorrow to me. This morning as I was before the Lord, all I could do was sit before Him and weep until I was a mess. And I said, Lord, how can I even go on radio today? Because I recognize the shallowness of my own heart. I recognize the shallowness of the gospel message that's proclaimed today, the absence of holiness, the absence of an understanding that all must be laid at the cross. He continues, The whole gospel appears to give the lie to the generally received doctrine that the state of grace is a state of sin. But how can we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? It is true a remedy is mercifully provided if any man must sin, but clearly the if marks out an extraordinary exception to the general rule, which must be holiness. And the holiness is defined in the scriptures, blameless, and irreprovable in his sight, abounding in the work of the Lord, holy, spotless, blameless, rooted and grounded in love, filled with the fullness of God, one spirit within the Lord, because joined to the Lord, partakers of the divine nature, these are the high sayings of Scripture. 
they can mean nothing less than something very high about what God wants in us. He is the truth. In Him there is no lie and there is no exaggeration. I write this because I'm most willing to be helped, for my case is truly a lamentable one. The constant flowing up of the rivers of life, where is it? Not within me, for the rivers are great things. All earthly things have long ceased to interest me, and less so now than ever. The waste or ill spending of an hour in casual conversation is to me both painful and disgusting. Continual seriousness I have become. There is a continual thoughtfulness in my heart, mingled with deep anxiety about my state, and notwithstanding this, though separated from the earth, I have not yet found heaven. And I read this in the early hours of this morning, and all I could do was weep and say, Jesus, that's the state of my soul as well. And I am most willing to be helped because my case is also most lamentable. I do not have that great river flowing out of my soul. And I too have grown exceedingly weary of casual foolishness in the world. I don't have time for it. I don't have stomach for it. I see the crisis that America is walking into and it is a desperate crisis where men and women are going to be in such anguish of heart. And there has to be a revival of righteousness in our land. There must be a proclamation of real righteousness with the breathing out of the Holy Spirit upon his people. There must be a reformation in the church today where we put away the entertainment and we put away the foolishness and we focus on Jesus because he's our only Lord. I know I can't convert you. I know you can only be changed and deepened and I know the cry of my heart cannot be met with cheap comfort I know that we must have Jesus. And my heart is crying out for Jesus. <clears throat> I can't go on like this without him. I'm saying, Jesus, where are the pulpits ablaze with the glory of Jesus Christ? Where are the men and women who lay before you and weep over the sin of our nation and over their own sin. He continues, this is Robert Adkin from the 1800s, Eternity is awful to me, not through fear of torment, but its, its infinitude is most painful. He's talking about eternity. It's painful to him because 
I often feel as if God and my soul were the only existence in the universe, and although he appears reconciled, I can hold him as my Savior and accept his office as my high priest, yet to realize him as my portion and so gain, and so gain rest, I find not. He's saying, look, I know Jesus is my Savior. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. But somehow this eternal rest evades me, and I'm constantly causing my heart to fear, or I'm constantly causing upset in my spirit because somehow I don't have the fullness of Jesus in my soul with the old nature totally removed from me. I must find this place of absolute love. He's saying, I must find the second touch. I must find what Wesley spoke of where a man is utterly consumed, a woman is utterly consumed by the love of God and by the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, I have none other occupation but meditation and prayer. I seldom leave my room nor have I any wish to do so. It is a cross to me to do so. It is a cross to me to write a letter. I desire nothing. I cry for nothing but God as a satisfying portion to an immortal spirit which he has raised into a continual consciousness of, immoral, of immortality, and yet I attain not to it. In other words, he's saying, look, there's so much more beyond what we've even begun to experience. And I want to say to you, my brother, my sister, we have barely on this broadcast scratched the surface of the depth of the love and holiness and righteousness of God. He is calling us to come up higher. He is calling us to come up into his heart, to be seated beside him, as Ephesians says, beside him on the throne beside the Father and beside Jesus. That can be our current experience. It is not my current experience, and I am crying out to God for that experience. I'm not ashamed to say to you, I don't have it all together. I'm just one poor soul who hungers for Jesus, and I know there's much more that he would desire to give to me and he would desire to give to you. Oh, I pray today that you can begin to catch a vision in your heart of the glorious gift of eternity with Jesus Christ. That's what's real. Please don't be distracted by the news. Don't be distracted by the political news of our day. Don't be distracted by the television and the entertainment. Don't be distracted by people who just want to chit-chat. Get to Jesus. Get to Jesus. He writes, My brother, I am a miserable being, and yet in my misery is, is bonded and supported by God. For when it reaches a certain point, he takes it away in a moment. And when my soul and body are somewhat rested, he brings it again without my asking. 
Now I want you to see this is this is the work of God. We do not create for ourselves a gospel. We must enter into the gospel of Jesus Christ and him alone. Jesus is enough for us. Jesus calls us deeper. He causes upset in our heart. He causes us to say, oh, I must have Jesus. He writes in a short letter to a friend. For several months, I've been exercised about my position here. It is quite true that some good is doing but the fearful state of the church and the godless state of the clergy and the thousands of souls weakly dropping into hell without any adequate effort either being made or likely to be made to enlighten and save them have so depressed me that the horrible reality has almost bereft me of reason. See, God wanted to use this man by the name of Robert Atkins. He was... He was born in 1800. And at that time, he's saying, the fearful state of the church and the godless state of the clergy and the thousands of souls weakly dropping into hell without any adequate effort. What do you think he would say today about the godless state of the clergy? and the fearful state of the church. See, God began to convict this man of his own illiteracy in the gospel. He began to convict this man that he was just speaking human words and not God words. He began to convict this man that there was something much, much deeper that he must attain much deeper that the Holy Spirit wanted to draw him into. And when he was drawn into that place that was much deeper, now he is weeping over the condition of the church. This is what must happen in us. We must see the reality of our own standing before God. And then after seeing the reality of our own standing before God, we must allow the Holy Spirit to do major surgery in our hearts and remove from us the callous love of this world. And we must allow God to come and move in us and change us into his likeness. And when he's done that, we will begin to see very clearly the fearful state of the church and the godless state of the clergy. And we'll begin to weep over the thousands of souls that are weakly dropping into hell without any adequate effort being made or likely to be made to enlighten and save them. That's why I come to this radio broadcast to try to enlighten and save as many of you as I can to draw you to the cross of Jesus and cause you to repent and say, I have lived a shallow life. I've even, as a Christian, been utterly shallow. 
deep calls to deep. We must go after Jesus. We must pray. We must read the scriptures. We must fast. We must cry out to our Lord. And he will come. He says here, I am possessed of a gospel which is amply sufficient antidote to all the miseries of our day and against all the horrors of eternity. And what am I doing in the midst of a perishing world? I am shut up in the most remote corner of the great spiritual wilderness, bound down by a system to my isolated locality and weeping my strength away over evils which I cannot even attempt to remedy, mourning without hope over certain damnation of unnumbered millions who have souls as precious and as immortal as my own. God help me, for I am more than mad. I am stricken with an anguish of soul which knows no change but its own increase. I have only one semblance of relief, and that is in tears and prayer. And after all, they only increase the burden. Well, we're almost out of time today. We're going to come back and we're going to deal more with this tomorrow. But I do want to read a scripture to encourage your hearts. By the way, we opened the broadcast today with that wonderful passage in Psalm 118. Go read that. Pray over it. Cry out over it. But I want to read for you Matthew, the seventh chapter. I'll begin with verse 7. You must keep on asking, and it will be given to you. You must keep on seeking, and you will find. You must keep on knocking, and it will be opened to you. For everyone asking receives, and the one seeking finds, and to the one knocking it will be opened. Oh, what man is there among you, whom if the son may ask for bread, he will not give him a stone, will he? And if he may ask for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? And if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much how much more will your father, the one in heaven, give good things to the one asking him? Therefore, all things, whatever you may wish that men may do for you, so you may wish also for them. For this is the law and the prophets. You must enter in through that narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way leading into destruction, and many are the ones entering through it. How narrow is the gate and restricted is the way that leads to life, and the ones finding it are few. That's Matthew, seventh chapter. I'm standing by faith today that as, as I cry out and as you join me in crying out, Jesus will hear our cry and give to us the bread of life. My brother and my sister, thank you for helping us meet the goal today. My heart is rejoicing, I ask. And Jesus answered through you, God bless you. I love you, my brother and sister. Thank you. Lord Jesus, I plead your mercy for every person listening. 
I ask that you will take us into the throne room, that you will deepen our hearts with you, that you will cast out all that is trifling, that you will cast out of our souls all that is cheap and tawdry. I pray, Lord, that you will give us a vision of yourself on the cross and then another vision of you, Jesus, as you are resurrected. And as you walk in victory today, Lord, come and minister to our hearts. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. Come visit us. I love you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon.